0: Hi, everyone, this is Dr. John Martini, and you're listening to The Conscious Podcast.
1: Welcome to The Conscious Pod. My name is Carlos Cirillo, and this is your place to cultivate wisdom, awareness, life insights to raise your being and become more conscious in your daily life. Hey Conscious Fam, welcome to episode 61 of The Conscious Podcast. On this episode, I shared an epic conversation with one of my all-time favorite mentors, Dr. John Demartini. Dr. John Demartini is a human behavioral specialist, international speaker, author, educator, and founder of the Demartini Institute. We talk about Demartini's impactful lessons in his teenage years, Filling your days with the highest priority things. Knowing your highest values. Delegating low priority tasks in your life to do more of what you love. Dedicating your life to fulfillment. Living in greatness, not hateness. The power of writing a mission statement that inspires you. Finding whether demand needs a supply and mixing that with your passion. Asking quality questions understanding both sides of life, the fantasy of positive thinking, loving your whole self, finding the hidden order in your life and so much more. This has to be one of my favorite conversations to date. I'm so grateful to have spent such quality one-on-one time with Dr. John Martini, and to be able to share this amazing wisdom with all of you too. This was an incredible episode with so much value. Dr. John Demartini has a wealth of knowledge, but is also such a real and genuine human. It was great to hear his passion for contributing to the world and helping people live a life they love. So many impactful lessons. I really enjoyed this, and I hope you do too. Dr. John Demartini,
0: how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. That is excellent. What have you
1: been up to this morning?
0: Well, I've been... uh doing podcast, uh, writing articles, wrote a letter to all my students around the world, um, had one meeting, and uh, doing your interview, and then I'm off to ABC yeah, uh, so radios.
1: Yeah, jam-packed day, and then you've also got events that are running at night time.
0: I have some consulting and media this afternoon, then I have a presentation tonight, then yep. I'm off to Singapore and South Africa tomorrow morning.
1: Wow, jam-packed schedule. I did have friends that were at the event last night, and they were messaging me because I, I put a shout-out on my Instagram, and they're like, I'm here right now and you're interviewing him tomorrow so crazy crazy what are you most excited about in life right now
0: well I mean what I love doing which is researching writing traveling and teaching I I get to do And every time I get to do new cities and new people and new new ideas I mean that's what I love doing you know when you do something you really love to do Mm. days kind of inspiring every day yeah
1: do what you love and love what you do
0: yeah I've I've delegated everything off my plate so I don't have to do anything except pretty well what I love every day so I'm pretty inspired by that
1: amazing. So, my first introduction to you was The Gratitude Effect, the book. And so, since I was 18, um, I was in network marketing at the time and it was always like, you got a personal development, do all that. And your name kept coming up and the books that we were reading. I actually attended one of your events in Melbourne, I think it was three years ago with a friend. So, this is quite an amazing experience for me to actually sit with you and interview you. For the listeners that don't know who you are, can you give us a short wrap-up of your life from where you started to where you are now and everything that you're doing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> just quickly put a, a whole life yeah. um, Well, I don't know what you right from the very beginning of my life or just uh, how I when I started doing what I'm doing today. Yep. Yeah. Um, I was 17 years old. I was living on the North Shore of Oahu. I was riding big waves as a surfer. I nearly died. I am um, in a recovery of that experience. I was led to a little health food store and then a little yoga class and I happened to be there at the right time at the right moment to meet an amazing teacher named Paul C. Bragg. In one hour, this one man with one message really got to me and he helped me believe that I could overcome my learning problems because I was a high school dropout and was told in first grade I would never be able to read, write, communicate, never mind a thing, never go very far in life. And... um, He made me believe that maybe I could overcome that and someday become intelligent, learn how to read. And that night, uh, kind of an inspired idea came to me and a vision of what I wanted to do. And I started working on that. And with his help, over the next three weeks, I uh, I gained momentum with it. And that was 47 years ago, this November. And I've been on a mission to um, learn, research, write, travel the world, and share whatever inspired me that I know can help other people and so I've been doing it all these years amazing what I love doing
1: yeah and that's one of the questions that I've got for you is why do you keep doing it after so many years like what keeps you going in do like traveling like jam-packed schedule like for some people that's very overwhelming but for you you just you, you keep going and you keep progressing and keep showing up and putting in the effort and the time to teach and serve like what keeps you going
0: well I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing I fill my day with the highest priority things I can do and those things that are highest priority to me are those things that I love doing, which is researching, which I'm doing right now, writing a new textbook, writing, um, traveling the world, and teaching. So why do anything other than what's most important to you? It doesn't make any sense to me to fill it with things that aren't inspiring.
1: Yeah, would you say they're your highest values?
0: Yes, Yeah. absolutely. My highest value is teaching. I've done 204 presentations this year already. Whoa <laughs> <laughs> and uh a few hundred uh interviews so i I keep a very busy schedule, and that's what I love doing yeah I, I, when you were told that you would never be able to read, never be able to write, never be able to communicate, never mount a thing, never go very far in life, and then you discover you can it's pretty inspiring, yeah, and then when you get to see the impact that it has on people and you get the rewards that you receive, you know why would you? not do it. It doesn't make any sense. I don't have to do it. (laughs) I've been blessed financially where I don't have to do anything, but I, this is what I would rather do. I'd rather fill my day with things that are most meaningful. People always project, everybody projects their values onto you and expects you to do what they think is important. And then they imagine, Oh God, if I had, if I was doing what you do, I would, I couldn't do it because in their values, it doesn't match. But in my values, it's really inspiring. Yeah,
1: so that's important for people to really focus in or really figure out their highest values and then stay on that path without letting other people's values come into play. Exactly.
0: If you don't fill your day with high-priority actions that inspire your day, fills up with low-priority distractions that don't. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. And uh, nobody's going to get up in the morning and dedicate their life to your fulfillment. If you're not doing it, don't expect it. And there's no reason why you can't do that. If you learn some basic things to prioritize what you do every day, to make sure that highest priority things serves people so you have a great income doing it, and then delegate the rest away. You know, once you delegate the rest away, you're not having to do the stuff that's not inspiring to you anymore. Yep. So I, I don't, I haven't driven in, God, in 30 years. In October, will be 30 years. Yeah. Yep. I don't drive. I del- I have people doing that. And I don't uh, cook. I'd stopped that 40 years ago. <laughs> And uh, so I don't do administrative (laughs) banking and anything. I have it all electronically structured and done and invested and and all that stuff. So I don't, all I need to do is just learn and share.
1: Yeah. Amazing. And and it's like that convenience for you is like, I want to do what I, I love doing. So the rest, low priority stuff that still needs to be done, I can then
0: outsource. Well, if you can do something that generates something of a higher nature uh, income, and you can delegate things that cost less. It's silly to be doing things that devalue you when you could be doing things that help you inspire and build, build, build momentum and value you. So I just, I went through and made a list of everything that I did in a day, personal and professional. I wrote, wrote next to it a column on what does it produce per hour. I wrote next to that a column, what is the level of meaning it has one to 10. Next to that, I wrote down what it would cost to delegate that to somebody else at the same competent level. And then I looked at what I prioritized according to spread. And then I looked at how much time was actually spent. And then I reprioritized the whole thing. And um, then realized that, okay, I'm just going to shed layer by layer until it's all off my plate except the things that I love doing the most. And it didn't take that long to do it.
1: Yeah. Would that be also identifying your strengths? Yeah. And then sticking to those?
0: Well, you know, my strength is gathering information and and imparting that information in an aspiring manner and i'm i'm great at that so i i i'd rather be living in my greatness than living in my hateness, if you will
1: yeah. <laughs> would you say you're living your purpose
0: absolutely yeah yeah i know i i wrote my mission statement when i was 17 and i've updated it 76 times with really tiny refinements of different words it's very clear it still brings a tear of inspiration when i read it and if you read it you go by god that's your life
1: yeah, so that mission statement we actually do that as part of the Conscious Collective with our retreats and events. We we get people to write their their mission statement and like a vision statement for their life in our in our vision pillar. Um, for you, was it at was it at seventeen? You're saying you wrote it. Yep. So is that for you? How how you would describe it? Is that just projecting into the future what you want your life to look like?
0: Well, it's both. It's 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 not just a kind of a fantasy in the future. It's a feeling of presence when you actually write something. That is congruent. You feel it's impossible for you not to do. You feel it's destined. You feel it's already in motion. You feel that it's congruent with what you're already living. And you just feel it's impossible not to manifest. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just always, this is what I want to do in the future. It's, It's like, this is what I want to continue to momentum build throughout my life. And. I don't know, no, I just do it. If, I, if you stay with something long enough, everybody else dies out and you end up at the top, you just yep. got to keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah. And how we like to focus on it and how I even focused on it when I did my mission statement as well is that um, whether you're looking at it from the, the side of law of attraction or um, what you focus on, energy goes, that's where you know, it grows. So when you're focusing on that that mission of what it looks like and what it feels like, you can then step into that and create that because you're going to be looking for it. Therefore, it's going to come into your life.
0: Well, anything that's high on your values, the way your brain is set up, it has a pulmonary nuclei in the thalamus that is a gating filtering mechanism. And you have a selective bias to for anything that's high in your values, and you have a tension deficit deletion for things that are low. So you automatically see synchronous opportunities that are around you, but you overlook and pass by when you're not congruent. But the second you congruently set goals that are aligned to what's really valuable to you, you see the people, places, things, ideas, and events that help you build momentum towards a great achievement.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that one. What is success to you?
0: Well, I don't use the word success. I call it fulfillment, But because um, I always say success and failure are symptoms of kind of a pride, shame, illusion about your life. But achievement and fulfilling a mission is what I call fulfillment. And... um So to me, that's doing exactly what you feel inspired to do in a way that's making a vast difference in people around you, in a way that you're having a great service and you're having a great reward and you're doing what you love with who you love. And I think that's available to everybody, whether it's raising a beautiful family or doing a social cause or running a marathon or doing what I do, traveling the world teaching. I believe that there's no right and wrong of what that is. It's unique to the individual. And they're just not. They're not here to subordinate to any other people. They're not here to minimize themselves and exaggerate other people and inject their values and cloud the clarity of their own mission. They're here to identify what's truly inspiring spontaneously from within from them and stick to that. And whatever that is, don't compare it to other people. That's where people miss out on, on uh, loving themselves because they compare themselves to other people instead of comparing their daily actions to their own dreams
1: yeah and does that come from firstly knowing what your mission statement is and your highest values
0: well in order to f- find that mission statement it's wise to first define what you know start with what you know and let what you know grow so i knew when i was 17 because i'd already had evidence of it that i wanted to travel and continue traveling the world because i was when i was nine i was dr- riding my bicycle 35 miles in different directions and when i was 12 i was hopping trains to different cities when i was 13 i was hitchhiking to different cities when I was 14, I hitchhiked across America and through Mexico. Um, when I was 15, I ended up living and moving over to Hawaii. My parents lived in Texas, but I went to Hawaii. All my life, I knew that traveling the world was part of what I was to do. I live on a ship called The World, which goes all over the world to every part of the world that there is. And that's the perfect home for me because it goes to every country. I've been to 151 countries that way. But I just knew that I wanted to travel. I knew that I wanted to learn because I had learning problems. I knew that. I knew that I wanted to share, and I knew that I wanted to to write and to be able to articulate because it helped me clarify what I wanted to say. And I knew I wanted to meet amazing people and go to amazing places and do amazing things. So I just wrote what I knew. I didn't want to write fantasies. I just wanted to write what I'm absolutely certain that my life shows evidence and and actions towards. And I built upon that and kept refining and rereading it and refining it and rereading it and refining it. Every time I would refine it, I'd get more clear. And I found that that was momentum building.
1: Yeah. And one of the questions, supposed to be later on, but it's perfect to, to fit into right now, is something that a lot of people are asking and I see on social media or in, in meetup groups that we do or at events is how can I find my purpose and stuff like that? Is it literally just that, like following the things that you love doing that mean the most to you, which bring you fulfillment and then just building upon those?
0: Yeah, but uh, a mission statement is is going to be a balance between self and other. There's an equity... Positioning of it where it's actually making a difference in contribution to somebody else, some other group, and hopefully vast numbers of people, and in a way that you are serving and getting rewarded. You're doing what you love, making a difference in what other people do. Because so everybody wants to make a difference. That's universal. Even in a prison, when I've spoken to a thousand inmates in maximum security prisons in Krugersdorp, every single person wanted to make a difference. It's innate within us to want to make a contribution, but we don't make a difference by fitting in, we'd make a difference by standing out. Mm-hmm. And standing out is being authentic to what's truly valuable to us. And that is something that serves vast numbers of people. Finding that niche where you're not narcissistically thinking only of yourself, not altruistically sacrificing yourself for others, but finding a blend of those two in a perfect harmony and equity. Where you have equanimity within yourself and equity between yourself and others that serves others and serves yourself. Those are the things that allow you to build momentum. And a mission statement will have that. A true mission statement.
1: Yeah. So when you've got all of that, then when you find, um, you've got the highest values, you, you've mission statement, you've got the thing, you know, that fulfill you, how would then someone, cause I know a lot of people that do know those things then go, I don't know how to make money doing those things. And I know you've got a lot of a, an entrepreneurial background and you teach a lot of entrepreneurs. Is it just a matter of keep doing that, keep sharing that and contributing and then find a way to develop that into a program or into a way that provides service of value to then exchange for money?
0: Well, I I've, I've said at uh, uh, a religious organization one time, and it was quite challenging to the people. I said, if you're poor, it's because you're not caring about humanity. Because if you care about humanity, you find the needs of humanity, and you find a way of serving it directly or indirectly with your own creative talents or indirectly with brokering other people's talents. And do it in such a way that it makes a difference and serves the needs of other people. When you do, you get rewarded because people value that and they'll pay for it. And if you find that it's about caring about humanity enough to find out what the needs are, caring about your self enough to find out what you're inspired by, and finding out where they overlap, and then targeting that area, then you have a, ma- a demand for your supply, and then you don't have a, you don't have that big challenge. Yeah. It's a key to finding the where the demand meets the supply.
1: Yeah, and you have people needing what you want to then serve.
0: Yeah, if you push uphill an assumption based on your own narcissistic pursuits, uh, you won't go very far. If you sacrifice yourself, you'll end up burning out doing things. You have to find the thing that that, that overlaps. I happen to find it with, if I go and I provide and research with the biggest breadth and depth of information I can that makes a difference in people's lives, people want want to grow their lives. They want to do something amazing with their lives. If I can provide information and save them the time of doing that, um, it'll help them win and me win. I mean, it's, it's the game. But whatever that product, service, or idea is that you that you want to bring, it's the key of caring enough about humanity to be on the same playing field. So if, you're, if you build yourself up and not think about your customer, if you build them up and not think about yourself, it doesn't sustain. Yeah. But you find a balance of those, it, it sustains and it grows.
1: Mm. What is the worst thing that has ever happened to you? And how is that the best thing that has ever happened to you?
0: Well, I don't think in terms of worst and best, those are kind of moral constraints, but I do think of events that were challenging in my life Mm -hmm. when I nearly died at 17. That was uh, one of the greatest turning points in my life. I was a surfer, you know, riding big waves and got to be in surf movies and magazines and stuff at the time. And, um, but I didn't think I, at that time, I never thought I could actually read. I was, I didn't read till I was 18. Mm -hmm. So I really did have a learning problem. So I just assumed I was going to be a surfer, <laughs> make surfboards. I was watching Dick Brewer make surfboards and guns over there in the North Shore of Oahu and uh, you know being kind of an apprentice there. So I just assumed that was my thing. But then when I met Paul Bragg, um, that near-death kind of situation was uh, a catalyst yeah. to meeting amazing guys at the right time, meet the right person. And that was the turning point. So the, probably the, one of the biggest challenges with that and one of the greatest rewards came from that. I, I don't believe there's a challenge without an opportunity. I don't think there's a crisis without a blessing. I don't think there's one side in anything. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm not a moralist in the sense of best, worst, best good, worst, bad, yeah. right, wrong. I I just think that there's just an event and there's two sides to it. If you see both sides, you're fully conscious. If not, you're probably caught in an illusion. Mm. And you, whatever you are infatuated with or resent will occupy space and time in your mind and keep you from being present yeah. and distract you. So I try to see both sides of things and... That's why I don't normally use the labels of yeah. worst and best. But in those situations there was a the, the so called crisis was the blessing.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, one thing well, even going through the gratitude effect and having a, a mentor that took me through a gratitude practice, it was that allowed me to have the perspective on whatever happens, that situation is just neutral, seeing both sides of it being conscious to it's that and that but being grateful for that happening anyway because it's along the journey.
0: Well and- the term objectivity means <clears throat> even minded, non partial, non biased not uh, subjectively biased. And subjective is usually a biased partial thinking. Yeah. So our animal nature, uh, in order to survive, had to create false positives in the wild to assume that there's a predator and assume there's a prey to have the highest probability of going and capturing it or yeah. getting to eat and, not, and avoiding the predator. So we skew things in our subcortical areas with biases, but our executive center in the forebrain is involved in um, objectivity and balance. And when we have a balanced perspective, and we're not highly infatuated or resentful, we're not fearing the loss of things or the fearing of gain of things. We're not highly stressed. We're centered, and that's when we make the most inspiring and actual. Uh, dis- you might say, I'm not even gonna say decisions, but that's where we're called into action.
1: Yeah, and in today's world, where there's no you know predators really after us and stuff like that, how can someone have that? What was it objective that you were saying the objective view of seeing things for as they are because? My generation <laughs> and a lot of my friends, uh, I see them getting caught up in things where like I've been going through personal development for many years um, and, and still going through challenges that come up, and, and but seeing them and growing through that to understand that there's two sides to everything and seeing the opportunity in them. For a lot of my friends, they see that and they go, okay, but you've done that. We haven't done that. These things are happening. The world's going this way. The world's going that way. How can they then, simple in simple ways, create that perspective? Is it gratitude? Or is it just disconnecting from those things that are happening?
0: No, I don't. I don't encourage people to dissociate. That's a bipolar condition, and if you dissociate from things. I I'd rather go and probe into mm. the mysteries of mm. the things that you're loosed illus- illusioned by, and find the other side by asking quality questions. A quality of our life is based on the quality of the questions we ask. So if we have an event that we think is terrible, it's only because we haven't asked the question: What's the terrific in it? What's the upsides mm. to it? Your intuition is trying to reveal to you what's unconscious. So if you're infatuated with something, you're unconscious of the downside. If you're resentful to things, you're unconscious of the upside. Your intuition is trying to point out that unconscious side. So strengthening the intuition is learning to ask questions of where we're ignorant and seeing the side we're ignoring. So if we go in there and find out this so-called terrible event, find the terrifics in it, or this terrific what's the terribles in it, and balance it all out, it doesn't run our lives. But if it does have a polarity to it, it runs us. So our it's about asking the right questions, that's all. And that makes us consciously aware of the things we're uh, ignoring and unconscious of. And then when we finally see both sides, we're fully conscious. We're fully conscious, we act. We don't make decisions out of emotions of imbalanced perspectives. We take a calling to act and doing something that inspires us.
1: Yes, and I think that actually reminded me back to the event where I went and seen you. I believe it was something along the lines of having low highs and high lows so people aren't going really really low or extremely high it's keeping that medium where you're you're conscious and you're um in that state of fulfillment but you're not letting it take you all the way down into a, a rock bottom yeah say.
0: i learned if i don't govern myself from the inside people have to govern me from the outside <laughs> and a master is the one that governs within and the the masses are the ones that have to be governed from out. they're controlled from the outside because they don't control them inside yeah. so i learned to ask questions daily and not go to bed until I've asked the question. So if I saw anything that I was proud of, I looked for the downsides. Anything I was ashamed of, I looked for the upsides. And I'd go to bed with a love of myself and the same thing for events of other people. If I'm resentful to somebody, it's because I'm not looking at the upsides of what it's doing for me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the thing I'm resenting is the thing that is actually reminding me of something I'm feeling ashamed about that I'm too proud to admit, and they're reminding me of it, and I'm wanting to avoid it. Instead of looking, what are the benefits and where do I do that? once i ask the right questions it just dissolves and i and I, I do the breakthrough experience as you know the program I've done it 1080 times and i help people take anything that's ever happened in their life and turn it into thank you because everything's on the way not in the way mm-hmm. gratitude is not something you force yourself to do gratitude is a result of asking the right questions and seeing the hidden order in your daily chaos, and then feeling gratitude spontaneously and seeing the order. It's not, you know, praying to some anthropomorphic deity to protect you or <laughs> save you from things. Yeah. That's that's a sign of childishness. It's about seeing the hidden order of things and being thankful for the order and catalyzing it forward. Because no nothing's going on in your life except what that which is trying to get you to be authentic.
1: Yeah. Hey, conscious fam, just wanted to jump in real quick and share something that I am super excited about. Ever since I was young, I always wanted to be David Beckham. The soccer skills, the fame, the lifestyle, and the underwear (laughs) modeling. And now, that has manifested into my reality. Not the skills, but the underwear (laughs) modeling. Well, not exactly. But I've partnered up with an epic underwear company doing incredible things. And not just any regular underwear, incredibly comfortable, ethical, and made in Melbourne from eucalyptus tensile. Yes, you heard right, eucalyptus, like the tree. Bushy underwear launched at the end of 2018 as a response to the lack of premium quality ethical underwear currently available. Bushy garments are softer than silk, more absorbent than cotton, and cooler than linen. This is due to them being made from tensile, a material derived from eucalyptus trees. The natural cellulose properties of tensile mean every pair of undies is odor-resistant, non-allergic, and has strong moisture-wicking properties. Bushy undies can be worn for multiple days before they need to be washed. They are also guaranteed wedgie-free. No riding of the leg, no awkward wedgie-picking on the tram. When it comes to underwear, extreme comfort is always the most important factor. It's 2019. We now have an obligation to create goods and services that function not only for their intended purpose, but excel at delivering high quality experiences with minimal social, environmental, and economical impact. Bushy Underwear was created in 2018 to challenge the current models of consumption. A brand that isn't defined by the garments it creates, but rather the message it emanates. If you want change, why can't it start with you? So, whether you're looking for extremely comfortable underwear, To be conscious on how your clothing impacts the environment or you're just a eucalyptus loving koala bear who is sick of picking wedgies, you have to get your hands on a pair. These are my absolute favorite. They are seriously so comfy. And also exclusively just for Conscious Podcast listeners, if you use the code CARLO, all in capitals, C-A-R-L-O, you will get 15% off on all bushy underwear. Check out their website, www.bushyunderwear.com. Bushy is spelt B-U-S-H-Y. And go get yourself a pair of some seriously comfy undies. So there was something really interesting you said in there was when you find something that you're proud of in that day, you look for the, was it the downside in yeah. that? Or, so why, so that's something that's for me is surprising because it would always be like, oh, you've seen the good thing, keep that, like. That's that's the 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 fantasy
0: of positive thinking, and I don't promote that. I think that's childish. I'm a firm believer in a balanced mind. You can't have a balanced physiology without a balanced mind, and people that are addicted to positive thinking and positive this and positive that and, and happy, happy this and that are deluded, and so I don't promote that. I found that those are the saddest people I've got yeah. that I've worked with because they're they're looking for a one-sided world. Mm-hmm. The Buddha says the desire for that which is unavailable, the positive pull of a magnet, and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable, the negative pull of the magnet, is a source of human suffering. When you finally embrace it, everything in life has both sides. If I came to you and I said to you, you are always nice, never mean, always kind, never cruel, always positive, never negative, always generous, never stingy, always giving, never taking, always you know peaceful, never warful; always considerate, never inconsiderate your bullshit meter would go off and go, mm, not exactly. <laughs> and then, and you would intuitively know with, and you'd have this uncertainty about that because you go, that's not really true. And if I said to you, you're always mean, you're never nice, you're always cruel, you're never kind, you're always negative, you're never positive, always wrathful, never people, and I went the other side, your bullshit meter would go off again and intuition would say no, and you'd be thinking of the times when you're up. Mm. When I, If I went to you and I said, sometimes you're kind, sometimes you're cruel, sometimes you're positive, sometimes you're negative, sometimes you're kind, you know, yeah. pleasurable and painful, you would go, that's true. Yeah you'd have certainty. So why would you go after uncertainty of one-sidedness when you can have the certainty of both sides? And to me, trying to have a loving relationship with somebody and expecting to be one-sided and trying to get rid of half of them or trying to get rid of half of you is not the way to love yourself. So I don't, I don't, uh, I did that in my 20s. I broke through that by the time I was 30 and I gave up that at an early stage because I found that that was unproductive.
1: Yeah, it's the yin and yang of life, like up, down,
0: you, you're not going to get it. The Taoist understanding of that was, was wise. You're not going to get a one-sided life. So You might as well embrace both sides of life. Yeah. If you do, you can love yourself. Your hero, your villain, your saint, your sinner, your virtue, your vice, all of them are going to be part yeah. of your life. If I have took a videotape of anybody 24 hours a day for three, four-month period and I videotaped it, I could take it to current affair and cut it up and chop it up and make a hero and a villain out of you. Mm-hmm. So I don't try to get rid of half of myself. I gave that up. I'm interested in loving my whole, yeah. the whole part. Which is both sides, and I sometimes I'm kind, sometimes I'm cruel, sometimes I'm nice, sometimes I'm honest, sometimes I'm dishonest. I'm all those things are okay. I don't try to put this fantasy and this moralistic construct of one sidedness on myself, and end up being a hypocrite. Yeah, I'm a I'm a firm believer that we deserve to be loved for who we are in the wholeness.
1: Yeah, and that's like the ultimate self. acceptance that's, that's where true gratitude comes, mm. and the, that's like the self acceptance of your whole self of who you are. A deep
0: appreciation for your whole individual, and that yeah. way you can do the same for others. Yeah. That's life, because there's no event in life that's one. That's why I don't pursue success. I don't pursue one-sidedness. Yeah. I found those, the second you think you're successful, that means you have a small vision. You actually think you've arrived and you're on your way down because you're arrogant. Yeah. I like to think of it as I'm a man on a mission. I'm here to be grateful for my life and see the things as they are, not as I fantasize them to be, yeah. and then get upset when they don't match my fantasy. I found that it's wiser to just love, appreciate life in its wholeness, both sides. Yeah.
1: I love that. Wow. So much powerful value in there. What is the best advice you've ever been given?
0: Well, again, I don't you know about best and worst, but I would just say that uh, Most learning learning how to discern what is really truly priority to you is wise. And uh, I have on my website, com a, a value determination process that's complimentary free. People can take advantage of it. But going through that exercise and defining what it is that really your life is purely demonstrating spontaneously about what you're committed to and finding that out, so you're not fighting yourself, trying to be somebody you're not, but honoring yourself and allowing yourself to be the magnificent being that you're spontaneously called to do based on what your values are, Um, that to me is one of the most significant things a person can do. It's an old Delphic oracle, be thyself, know thyself, be thyself, love thyself. It's true.
1: Yeah. Amazing. And... What advice would you give your 16-year-old self?
0: You're on track. Thank God. Keep going. You know, I, 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 I don't look back with regrets. I don't think that there's ever a mistake. The only time I think there's a mistake in our life is when I compare my actions to somebody else's values that I've let in infiltrate my thinking. And this, the only time I think other people make a mistake is when I project my values onto them and expect them to live in my values. Mm. There's no mistakes in our own values. There's only v- mistakes when we cross value system. So I don't find that productive. I don't re- go walking around with regrets and look back, oh, I messed up here, I should have done this. Yep. I don't hear, in my head, there's not shoulds, ought tos, supposed tos, got tos, have tos, and musts. I don't live that way. Because yep. I, I, I live by priority. I know my values. I stick to those. I find them more productive.
1: And by if you were to do that, you're taking away the power that you have now to then create the life that you want. Because well, you're bringing you're, that with you.
0: You're living deontologically by duty of other people and giving accountabilities to others to direct your life. The voice and the vision on the inside has got to be louder than opinions on the outside if you want to master your life and make a difference in the world.
1: Yeah, and, and one of the questions that um, one of the members of the Conscious Collective sent him was um, she just moved to a new place. She just moved to Bali, Indonesia. And she asked, how can you move to a new place where, and if the vibration is low and you're surrounded by unhappy people, negative people, what can you do to not allow that to affect you? So maybe that could also be Uh, A situation where they're at work, maybe they've gone to a new job, and there's some people that are unhappy, negative. Is it knowing who you are on the inside, knowing your values, all of that, and staying true to you and not worrying about anyone
0: else? Or it sounds like a great opportunity for business. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that means that there's a lot. It's like the the old story about the shoe salesman, right? There are two different attitudes. One guy goes in there and goes, nobody in this country even wears shoes. How are we going to sell shoes here? The other one comes in and says, nobody's wearing shoes here. We can sell those shoes to everybody. (laughs) Um, If you're around people that have that, that means you have the opportunity to inspire them by an exemplification of how to live and inspire them to opportunities. I mean, you could go in. That's a business opportunity. Whenever you see a challenge in society, that's opportunity for business Mm. to make a difference in people's lives. So I don't see that as, a, a, if you're out directed and, and you're expecting other people to feel a certain way for you to feel a certain way, then you miss the boat. Yeah. You're here to, to, if you live according to your own values and set, and don't compare yourself to others, but compare your daily actions to your own highest values. You do amazing things and you inspire other people and you draw them to you and you can then impart on them things you've learned and inspire their lives. And they, that's a source of income to you. You can make a difference. You could be a leader in that area. It's an opportunity for leadership.
1: Yes, I love that and especially that can go through to I think right now a lot of um a lot of the talk is about social media and how other people are affected by what other people think of them when they post something or something like that but with that advice it's it's when you know you're doing it out of your vo- your values that are aligned with your mission doesn't matter what anyone else thinks it's it's yours. Well, if you're
0: not being crucified you're probably not doing much. <laughs> if you're not on, you're not on purpose. If you're doing something original you're going to be ridiculed by traditions and conventions and mores of other people that's normal if you're not getting that you're fitting in and don't don't expect to leave a legacy fitting in
1: Mm. so what if you are doing something that's on mission but you're not being crucified for it
0: you're probably not contacting enough people to go out and make a difference okay (laughs) you're probably not doing you know when i i had the opportunity to in russia from russia do a, a television show for an hour for 250 million people and i got all kind of responses. It's just all over the place. And, you know, if you add them all up, you'll find out you'll have supporters and challengers balanced. Yep. So I don't pay much attention because I know that for every person that's wanting to attack me, there's another person saying, hey, great job and everything. I just, I don't pay attention to that. I don't try to get addicted to one. It only hurts when you're addicted to praise. Criticism only hurts when you're addicted to praise. Yeah. Criticism is actually an essential component of growth. The second you get cocky and above who you are, you're automatically needing criticism to get you back to who you are. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're below who you are, you're needing praise to get you back to who you are. So it's just forcing you to get back to being who you are Mm -hmm. and not attached to it. And just so that see that it's just giving you feedback.
1: Yes. What is one change people can make in their life that would have the biggest impact on improving their life?
0: Well, improving again is a moral language. So, I always think that, I tell people in my breakthrough experience, this is not a self-improvement course because you're already magnificent the way you are, and my job is to make you see, see it and become aware of it. So it's more of the asking the right questions to see the hidden order in your daily chaos so you can be grateful for it the way it is, which gives you the power to transform it by being inspired. So it's not about, I need to fix this, and I need to get rid of this part of me, and I need to change this and escape this. I don't find that very productive. It's about looking and finding the hidden order in life. The hidden balance that's there. Because I've had people come in and I go, you know, my mama, I had this lady say, well, my mother wasn't there for me. She abandoned me when I was two. And I said, F- fantastic. So who became your mother? Well, I didn't have a mother. I said, I know, but nothing's ever missing. Who emerged as a mother figure? And she goes, that's interesting you say that. My aunt took and raised us a bit. Who else? My grandmother stepped in. Who else? Well, my best friend. I hung out at my at her place a lot and her mother kind of guided me. And who else? Now I think about it, when I got to be about six, my teacher started becoming like a mother figure. I said, what was the benefit of having all those mother figures in a diversified form instead of just your own mother? She said, I never asked that question. I just assumed I missed out because my therapist said I missed out. And the reason why I'm all screwed up is because I didn't have this mother figure." I said, well, get out of the shrink and let's get to stretching. And I said, "Uh, so if your mother had been there, what would have been the drawback? At first she said, well, there wouldn't be any, I'd be happy. And I said, well, that's delusional. If your mother had been there, there'd be new sets of challenges. What would be the challenges her mother actually lived there? And then finally she said, my mother had bipolar condition. It would have been chaotic. She wasn't able to provide for us. She actually allowed me to be with people that could take care of me. She started crying. She started to be appreciative. I said, time to thank your mother. She gave you an opportunity. You had a diversity of people. What was the benefit of all these other mother figures? She says, I excelled in school. And I did well, in the, and I found out what I wanted to do, and I got really great at it. I said, did you thank your mother, or did you think your mother left you? She said, I, I've been running this story that I was abandoned, but the real truth is that I was gifted to have a, a more mothering factor that I, than I could have had by my own mother. I said, well, mothers aren't going to give up children unless they think there's going to be more advantage to the children and themselves at the time. So your mother obviously cared about your time. She goes, wow, I never thought about it. just bald. I said, seeing the hidden order in life is far more powerful than trying to fix things and avoid things and blame things and stuff like that. You're all outer-directed instead of inner-called.
1: Yeah. So in that process, there you went through, I guess, taking away the positives of, of that situation. Of what benefits did you get from having all those different mentors in that situation? And then you then flipped it into what were the uh, would have been the challenges?
0: If I took the challenges of the. See, she had a fantasy that if I had a mother, I would be happy. That's, that's why addiction to happiness is probably the most saddening thing you'll ever do. And
1: if she kept that, it would have stayed with her the whole she life. She would have been
0: angry and victim yeah. and, and blaming and all this stuff and then angry and then all kinds of stuff and re- recreated that dynamic. If she goes in there and finds out how her mother not being there, how that was a blessing, who took on that role? What's the benefits of the people that have actually done that instead of the fantasy and, what, and crack the fantasy and appreciate what it is? When you appreciate what it is, it doesn't become baggage that runs your life. You actually don't store that in your subconscious mind and make autonomic reactions. You just start to now go, you know what? Whatever happens to me serves me. I'll give you an example, just a, just a crazy example. I had, to, and this is probably shocking to some people, but this is just who I am, you know. I, uh, when I was 14 years old, my, I left home. I left home at 13, but I was, I was hitchhiked out to California when I was 14. When I got to California at the beaches of Huntington Beach, California, I was sitting there watching the sun go down. I was sitting on the edge of my surfboard, and I thought, I made it here. I'm going surfing, man. And all of a sudden, this 27-year-old beautiful blonde, strawberry blonde chick came up to me, and she said, are you a runaway? And I I turned her, and I looked up, and I went, whoa. I said, not exactly. My parents dropped me off on the freeway and told me to go surfing. You know, go and live your dream. And she said, well, where are you staying? And I said, well, I'm going to stay on the beach. Well, you can't stay on the beach here. You have to go down to the cliffs to sleep. It's about three miles down. I said, well, I guess I'll walk down there. And she said, well, do you need a place to stay? And I, I went, hell yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. And I'm 14 years old, and I'm kind of a, uh, older for my age at the time because I'd been street smart kind of thing. So I stayed with this chick. And, uh, you know, she was pretty progressive and everything else. And, you know, I, I, she made me some food. She washed my clothes. She was acting like part of a mother. But in the, in the evening, she came up and she made love with me. And, uh, you know, I can't complain, and I was doing pretty good on that. Now, today, that would be illegal, but I I have no problem on that. In the process of doing that, I realized that what she had had is she had had a son take away from her. Her husband left her and took the son. She didn't have any money, so she had to go out and get jobs, and she was making bathing suits to try to make money to get her son back. Her son was four going on five, and the father was older. And if you put the father's age and and the son's age together and divide by two, that was my age. And if you took my average uh, girlfriend's age and my mother's age and put them together, divide by two, that was her age. She was playing the role of my mother and girlfriend, and I was playing the role of her son and husband. So I watched that, and I was very aware of that when I was 14, living on the streets. And I thought, you know, nothing's missing. It just changes form. And that was one of the great lessons I got living on the streets, that nothing nothing is missing. It just changes form. And people go around and think they're missing things instead of seeing the new form and honoring the form it is and adapting to the form and and, and going with it and experiencing it. And that's been a great lesson for me. So I, I don't come around an the idea that I missed out on anything. I just looked at the form that it was in. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the benefits of the form that it was compared to the fantasy that I thought it should have been. Yeah. I find myself way more inspired by that. Mm-hmm. And I teach people that so they don't sit there and run their stories and run their little victim stories. Victims of history instead of masters of destiny, most people live and they can be masters of destiny by seeing things on the way, not in the way.
1: Yeah. And would that be being in the now, right? Like seeing what's coming up, identifying what it is, and then going through that process. And
0: in balancing the equation, when you see things in a balanced mind, your heart opens. I've taken quarter of a million people through the breakthrough experience. And every time I balance their mind, there's tears of gratitude and there's appreciation. They see the hidden order and they realize that there's nothing to fix, there's something to appreciate. And from that state, when you appreciate what you have, you get more to be appreciative of.
1: Mm. What does it mean to be conscious?
0: That <laughs> <laughs> to be fully conscious is when you judge something and you infatuate with it. You're conscious of the upsides, you're unconscious of the downsides. When you're resentful to something and are trying to avoid it, you're conscious of the downsides, unconscious of the upsides. When you love something, you're conscious of both sides. Yeah. And you're reflective because whatever you see in them, you realize you have in your own life. Nothing's missing in you. Nothing's missing in them. Yeah. So looking deeper beyond the facades. And the personas and looking for the human being within yourself and others is liberating. So a fully conscious individual sees those and is not trying to change others relative to your values or changing you relative to other people's values, but to honor what your mission is and fulfill it by living by priority and honor them and help them do theirs. If you do that, you help other people get what they want to get in life. You get what you want to get in life.
1: Yeah. So instead of trying to fix, try focusing on finding who you are. And the lessons and everything. Yeah, I think
0: of a fix as something like a drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get that high. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to. People don't need fixing. Yeah. They, 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 they just need to be aware of the magnificence of what's happening in their life. Because mm-hmm. as long as they're addicted to praise, they're going to end up being hurt by criticism. As long as they're addicted to protection, they're going to end up with yeah. violence and aggression. Whatever they're addicted to that keeps them juvenilly dependent, they attract the opposite to break their addiction to make them grow. Because yeah. we grow by having challenges that inspire us not by making our lives easy.
1: Mm. The last question to wrap everything up. What impact do you want to have on people, the community, and the world?
0: Well, I want to continue to go out and do what I love doing, which is researching and, and sharing. And I've been blessed to do it to over 5 billion people. So <laughs> I keep doing that. I do it every day. Yeah. And I, I, I keep a metric on all the things that I set out to do since I was 17. And I watch the metrics be filled and I don't see any reason why anybody can't go and do whatever they want. I okay. mean, it, it'd, be hard to, it'd be impossible to convince me that a person can't live an inspired life. I mean, I, I, I've seen people from all different walks of life, and I've seen what happens when they start to apply the principles that stand the test of time and what it does and how they build momentum and achieve things. I've seen people run their story and become victims of their history all the time. And that it's, it's, that's their creation.
1: Wow, amazing. I want to acknowledge you for the human that you are, the service that you give to the world. For me, impacting my life at 18 um, on Facebook, I've actually got following on you. So every time I go on Facebook, your stuff comes up, which I think is a great thing to do for social media. I follow the people that inspire you, that have information. But yeah, everything that you're doing, the time you've spent with me today, the value that you've given, uh, I really appreciate it. And thank you for for allowing me into, into this room and to spend time with you.
0: Oh, thank you. You're helping me. We're helping each other. (laughs) That's what it's about, Uh, you know, doing what we can to make a difference. Yeah. But Uh, just know that whoever's out there, uh, (laughs) no matter what you've done or not done, you're worthy of love. And um, if you compare yourself to others, instead of comparing your daily actions to your own dreams, you'll probably miss out on your own magnificence. Mm -hmm. And the magnificence of who you truly are is far greater than any fantasies you'll ever impose on yourself by comparison.
1: Wow. What a way to wrap it up. (laughs) Well, Dr. John Demartini, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, if anyone's loved this podcast, got any value from this, please share it around, tag a friend into this who needs to hear this stuff uh, or you think would like to hear this stuff. And as always, you can contact us on our, um, on our socials and Dr. John Demart- www.drjohndemartini for all events. And yeah,
0: it's just drdemartini.com.
1: drdemartini.com for the freebie that you were talking about
0: for the values for the value applica- for yep. learning how to determine your values to help yep. you be more clear it's complimentary and just there's an educational cool. website you could go on there and live the rest of your life learning
1: amazing well you have fun touring Australia and I uh, can't wait to speak to you next time I look forward to it. take care everyone peace thank you so much for taking the time to listen in on our conversation hopefully you got some insights and values to raise your awareness If you like the podcast, please like, share on social media and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. I would really appreciate it. You can also keep up to date on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Uh, Both handles are at theconsciouspodcast and also my personal account, which is at carlo__cirillo. Until next time, take care and be nice.